Today, um, I have a sermon with you in mind, actually, all of you new congregational care ministers, but not just you, all of us as well, as we together go in this Fixer Upper series to a very familiar um, experience in the life of Jesus, which was the feeding of the 5,000. You know, there are a few stories in the Bible, uh, in the New Testament, that give us a greater glimpse of Jesus sharing a miracle and saying a blessing than this particular story in uh, Mark's gospel, but not just Mark's gospel. The feeding of the 5,000 appears in all four of the gospels. Perhaps the most thorough telling of the story is told by John, where we have in John's gospel the little boy who comes with the offering of five barley loaves and the two fish. And yet we know whenever we read these stories from whatever, tra uh, whatever translation or whatever gospel, we hear the same miracle ringing true, that Jesus satisfied the hunger of those who gathered. And he satisfied them with much more than mere food for the body, but also food for the soul. You know, one thing that I would like for us to, uh, to hear that, that will center us this morning on not just this miracle story, but the miracle stories of Jesus. It's a word that comes to us from uh, the great theologian William Barclay, who wrote in such a way that as teachers and preachers, we've used his work for many years. But I love what he said about the miracles of Jesus. He said, we must never be content to regard the miracles of Jesus as something which happens. They are not isolated events in history. They are demonstrations of the always and forever operative power of Jesus Christ. I love that. So today we're not just talking about an event that happened in time that all of the gospel writers shared. But we are talking about the always and forever operative power of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Today we're going to be reading this story in the life of Jesus from the Gospel of Mark, the sixth chapter, beginning with the 30th verse. So if you'll find your Bibles, Mark 6, beginning with the 30th verse, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And Jesus said to them, Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going, and they recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, Jesus saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, Lord, this is a deserted place and the hour is now very late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding country and villages 
and buy something for themselves to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. They said to him, are we to go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves have you? Go and see. When they'd found out, they said, five loaves and two fish. Then he ordered them to get all of the people to sit into groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he divided the fish among them all. And all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of fish. And those who had eaten the loaves numbered five thousand men. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I can never read one of the stories from one of the Gospels of the feeding of the 5,000 without remembering an old story about a young preacher who was preaching one of his first sermons and he chose this particular passage to preach from. And he was so nervous, he'd only preached a handful of times and, and his nervousness was showing as he was looking out among his congregation and he said, the master fed the multitudes and then his voice started quivering and he said, he fed the multitudes with 5,000 loaves and 2,000 fish. And an old fellow sitting on the front row um, in a kind of sarcastic uh, chuckle said, well, I could have done that. And the young preacher was just totally embarrassed. And the next Sunday, he decided that he was going to redeem himself. And so he mounted the pulpit again and he said, you know, last Sunday I was a little nervous and, and I, I made a mistake. And he said, I want to tell you today that what I meant to say was that the master, Jesus Christ, fed 5,000 plus people with five little loaves of bread and two tiny fish. And then he looked at the man on the front row and said, could you have done that? The old man grinned and said, I could have if I had the leftovers from last Sunday. <laughs> and here's a funny little cartoon that I came across this week where we have a rendition of uh, two of the disciples with uh, some of the baskets going to two guys on kind of a picnic uh, uh, blanket style. And one of them says, uh, but I don't like fish. And the caption is, there's always one. You know, this story really does beg facts from us, doesn't it? It begs understanding. Perhaps that's why it was told over and over again. And granted, with different facts. But, but it always speaks to us in different ways. And it really does strike um, uh, a very special place in my soul, I know, and I hope in yours. Jesus is dealing with the very basic need of those 
his closest followers, disciples, as well as those who had followed in the multitudes. And that need is the need related to hunger, the need to be fed. Now, I want to say this morning that those of you who've gathered here who can read this particular story from whatever um, uh, gospel we would read it from, and you have absolutely no problem believing this took place quite literally, that Jesus blessed the fish and the loaves, and then after the prayer, the fish and the loaves were miraculously multiplied, and everyone was fed. If that's your understanding, that it is just a miracle, then who would, um, who would say it couldn't have been that way? For Jesus was one who healed the leper with touch, and he also healed the blind uh, uh, folk with, uh, with touch. He, he raised Lazarus from the dead. So what would a miracle of multiplying a few barley loaves and fish be, even if it meant that 5,000 were fed? It also is in keeping with a miracle that's in the Old Testament, the prophet Elisha. Elisha was said to have fed 100 men with only 20 barley loaves and a few ears of corn. And so for those who had gathered in the multitudes who would have been of the Jewish faith would no doubt have heard the story of the prophet Elisha who fed the multitude of a hundred with a few barley loaves and a few ears of corn. And so recognizing that Jesus could feed as many as 5,000 with only five barley loaves and two fish is quite a miracle. But you know, sometimes I wonder that why any of the gospel writers didn't say something like, and after he prayed, they opened their eyes, and voila, there were mountains of food to be distributed to the multitudes. Have you ever wondered that? You know, we may read this passage, some of you may, and in your minds you um, may question a little bit more, and, and that's okay too. Nowhere does the story say that Jesus multiplied the fish and the loaves. Rather, it says that Jesus blessed and broke the bread and gave it to the disciples and they distributed the bread and the fish and all were filled or satisfied. You know, some scholars believe that what took place with the multitudes was a, a form of the Eucharist or Holy Communion. That when Jesus blessed and broke the bread, you hear that language of communion and he gave it to the disciples and they each had whatever the morsel would be and all who were in that crowd were filled. But if this is the case, then I wonder why uh, there were 12 baskets full of leftovers, don't you? Now, some believe that the fish and the bread didn't come down like manna from heaven. The scripture doesn't say that. But rather it was the act that John picks up on where the little boy brings his sack lunch. Of course, he wouldn't have left home without a sack lunch. Nobody would in that day. There wasn't a McDonald's around every corner. 
So he had his little barley loaves and his fish because he was going to be out fishing himself all day long. And so when Jesus took the gift of that little boy and he blessed it and he broke it and he shared it, there were others who'd packed the lunch as well. In fact, most others. And they did the same. And they shared what they had brought for lunch. And, and there was so much sharing going on in the midst of this multitude inspired by the blessing of Jesus that everyone had all that they wanted. And they were, there were 12 baskets full of leftovers at the end of that great sharing of lunch together. And you know, why wouldn't we say that was a great miracle if it happened just like that? So whatever you believe about the feeding of the 5,000, whether you believe it quite literally or maybe sacramentally or maybe you believe that it was this wonderful miracle of sharing, the bottom line is Jesus addressed the hunger of the people and he fed them to their fill and everyone was satisfied and it made such an impression on all that followed Jesus the rest of his life and into the beginning of the early church that the gospel writers told it over and over and over again. I want to call your attention to the attitude of Jesus. When, when he comes from his time apart with the disciples and they land on that shore and the people who saw them uh, sailing away, they ran ahead of them because they knew where they would come ashore. And when they came ashore, the crowd was waiting on Jesus. And the scripture said that he had compassion on them. That when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He saw them as sheep scattered with no shepherd. He saw them in need of healing. There were lepers and there were people who were blind and there were parents bringing children who had all kinds of needs and Jesus touched them and healed them. He wiped away the tears of the widow and he raised her son to life. And of course we remember that this is the same Jesus with the same compassion who cried over the city just before he prayed and wiped the tears of Mary and Martha and he prayed that Lazarus would be brought back to life from the dead and Lazarus did rise from the grave. There's no misunderstanding in this story that when Jesus looks upon the people, what he sees is beyond their hunger for mere bread. And he sees their need for compassion. And he gives them the compassion that they've come to receive. And secondly, I think we must say that there is no question that Jesus sees too that he satisfies them with his grace. God's grace in Jesus is received by the multitudes. We have the testimonies of, of God's abundant grace that is given over and over and over again. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament. For when the children of 
Israel were in the wilderness, God addressed their hunger by sending them manna from heaven. And that, my friends, is grace. Job had lost everything. And God restored Job's health, his family, his wealth. That's grace. And Paul defined God's ability to satisfy us by saying, God can do abundantly more than we could ask or think. And then we remember the the story of Jesus who confronts the Samaritan woman at the well. This woman who'd been so hungry for love, she'd had five husbands Jesus shared with her and the person you're living with now is not your husband. She was looking for something. She was hungry for something. And Jesus gives her living water. He gives her grace. And then there's Nicodemus, uh, the, the... the, the, the student of the law, the rabbi, the teacher. And, and he comes to Jesus at night. And Nicodemus wants what Jesus had. He, he wants what his disciples have. And so Nicodemus asked, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said to him, Nicodemus, you must be born again. I'm not talking about a physical birth, Jesus said, but a spiritual birth. You must be born again. And that's the same grace that Jesus is delivering that day along with the fish and the bread that fed their hungry bodies. He was also feeding their hungry souls with compassion and grace. A pastor named Rosemary Brown, who pastored a church in an affluent area in Nashville, she told a story about this incident that happened some years ago when she had taken a youth group to the Appalachian Mountains for a mission trip where they would work all week. And this particular group that she was with was working Um, on a particular mountain shack in the Appalachian Mountains. And it was a family, um, a husband, a wife, a a grandmother in the family, and and six children in that family. And they were so poor. That week, the youth had put a new porch on uh, the family home and also put a new roof on the house that was badly needed, she reported. She said the father of the family had been a coal miner, and he was dying from the disease black lung. In the mornings, she said, as the children were getting ready to do whatever work was in store for them for the day, she said you could hear the father coughing in a harsh cough, uh, trying to clear his lungs just enough that he could breathe for that another day. She said we caught glimpses of him from time to time, but he really didn't spend time with the kids like the other children in the home did and and like the mother who took care of us at lunchtime. She said the old father didn't have a tooth in his head and his lips curled to, to hide the absence of teeth. And they would go about their work seeing him from time to time but never really hearing him say a word Rosemary said that she, um, 
gathered the group on that porch that they had built for that last session. She was going to have a devotional with them. She was going to ask the kids, you know, where did you see God this week? And get them to share. And she noticed a banjo that was on the porch that hadn't been on the porch. And she asked the mother of the family, uh, who played the banjo? And she said, my husband plays the banjo. Rosemary said, would, would he come out and, and play some music for us? She said, well, he will. It's his grandfather's banjo, so it's an old one, and it only has three strings, three of the four. So she called her husband, and he came onto the porch, and he picked up the banjo without a smile. He tuned it a little bit, and when he got it where he wanted it, he began to sing. Amazing grace. She said it was more like a whale, amazing grace. And she said on about the fifth verse of what was 14 verses of amazing grace, his wife left the porch. And in a few minutes, she returned with an apron full of tomatoes, the last from the garden. She said they were still warm. And she went around as her husband was singing Amazing Grace and, and, and the children took uh, tomatoes from her apron and, and then a salt shaker went around and those children ate warm tomatoes on the porch. Now that's a miracle in and of itself, isn't it? But she said they didn't say a word and they enjoyed those tomatoes um, and they enjoyed their time. She said they were awfully quiet as the old man sang. And when he'd finished, he put the banjo down and he walked back into the house. Rosemary said that she began to share her devotional with the children and then she had them share their reflections of the week and where they saw God. And she said the very first comment she heard was one youth said, I saw God in the father who played the banjo. And another said, I saw God in the mother who distributed the tomatoes. She said, it was almost like holy communion. There's one thing for sure, Rosemary said. Every child on that porch had been fed and they were all satisfied you know there's one more lesson in this story that I want to lift out you know Jesus in the story whatever version you're you're reading whichever gospel is presenting it Jesus doesn't actually feed the crowds he doesn't feed the multitudes he gives the food to the disciples. And it is the disciples who distribute the food and feed the 5,000. What does this mean? You, you know that your compassionate God has given you compassion, right? You, you know that your gracious God has given you grace, right? And, and don't you have that feeling sometimes that Due to the compassion and the grace that God has shared with me, a follower of his, a disciple of Christ. 
That, that out of the abundance of that grace and that compassion, I share the leftovers. I, I share with others out of what I have received. For we know that we are the recipients of the bread of life. And that, in fact, is Jesus. And it is the bread of life that feeds the spiritual hungers of a needy world. I have a few questions. How do we share Christ to the world that is hungry for bread? Now, many of us have taken part in Feed My Starving Children, and we've packed the, uh, the food rations. We've packed millions and millions of food rations in, uh, through the years as a congregation, old and young. Uh, our diverse congregation has gathered time and time and time again to create these food rations that we know is going somewhere to some starving child somewhere in the world, and they will be fed how good that makes us feel. It, it makes us sense that compassion and, and that grace to overflowing. But how do we share Christ with a world hungry for more than bread? How can we be the very bread of life that Jesus uh, claims himself to be? as we are those disciples who are called to do the feeding of the multitudes. Think about that. You know, I was digging through some files this week and I found an old one. I had to kind of uh, knock the dust off of it. It's a name that some of you in the room will remember, but some younger than us would not. It was a piece written by the comedic columnist Irma Bombeck. How long has it been since you've thought of Irma? You know, I could nearly hear her as I read her article. I could nearly hear her voice and her, her way of presenting things that always made you smile, if not laugh out loud. But she wrote this, and it, it really did catch my attention. She said that she dreamed one day that every volunteer in the land had set sail to another country. Can't you hear her? She said, I waved goodbye and I breathed a sigh of relief. No longer would I be bothered by someone badgering me to help with some drive or some project. And then she noticed the receptionist's desk at the hospital was vacant and the children's wing had no clowns, no laughter. She said the blind listened for a friendly voice that never was heard. And the crippled were imprisoned in their wheelchairs because no one was there to push. And flowers on the church altars withered and died that could have brightened an elderly person's day. And children in nurseries lifted their arms, but there was no one there to hold them, no one there to love. The search for cures and diseases was canceled for lack of interest. Symphony halls and museums were dark and still. Alcoholics, prisoners, 
shut-ins. The poor cried out in despair, but no one came. Irma continues. I sought in my sleep to regain a glimpse of a ship of volunteers once more. It was to be my last glance of civilization as the way it was meant to be. The story of the feeding of the 5,000 is a glimpse of the way the church is meant to be. Sometimes we get so hung up on the multitude and the feeding of the multitude and the facts related to the feeding of the multitude and the miracle that we don't really grasp the relevance to you and to me. This is about us as disciples of Jesus Christ. This is about this multitude. This story is about all of us who truly do get it. That we are called beyond the understanding of being a volunteer. We're called to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and to share his compassion and his grace in his name as his church to his people who are in need of more than bread and fish, but compassion and grace too that we are called to deliver. Today, we consecrated those of you who are in the congregational care ministry. You know exactly what you've signed on for. You know that you're going to be distributing the compassion and grace of Jesus Christ with our saints. And you will bless them. And so blessing them, you will also be blessed. But all of us who may not have been standing up here today, may not have been commissioned in this service today, all of us who are disciples of Jesus Christ are called to out of the abundance of God's compassion and grace given to us by our Lord, are called to share that with a world in need. You know it's a miracle when people give their money, their time, their gifts, their talents. When, when they listen to the needs of others sometimes beyond their own needs and they address the hunger of those until they are satisfied. I want to ask us in closing today, how are you sharing? What are you doing with your leftovers of compassion and grace? It's time for us to be the church and to go into the world with God's compassion and grace. Amen.